0: what to do next so stop saying that you don't know what to do stop feeling overwhelmed stop living in the valley and start walking into your calling so i'm so excited you're here welcome to the show. so like i was saying i've been praying for god to use me and bring me people who need me and it's it's one of my prayers i say all the time and i actually used to track this i used to keep this sheet called an impact list and I would pray for someone to come into my life that I could impact. And then I would write them down at the end of the day, kind of like a daily reflection. And some days there were one person. And as I kept praying, there would be so many people that I literally couldn't even list them. I was like, there was probably like 50 something people today, or like days that I would speak at like events or stuff. I'm like, there was like 200 people. Like I just, I like, it was crazy. And It's cool when you start praying for something and then you're intentional about it and you're watching it happen because you're just very aware of it and you can see how it's, how it's really working and the prayers are being answered. But one thing that I've been noticing lately is that my prayers are being answered, but not in the way that I want them to be answered. And instead of feeling like it's an answered prayer, I immediately get like stressed out and worried. And then I'm like, okay, hold on. This is actually an answer to my prayer. So for instance, I'm praying for these people to come into my life. Anyone that I can impact, anyone who needs me, bring me people that are in the valley that I can just pour into and help them bring them to me. So God floods them into me. And then I get this overwhelmed feeling of the world is so broken. It's so lost. The devil is at work so hard here. And I just can't take it anymore. I can't take not, I can't take the people coming to me. I can't take the, the hurt and the pain because I can't change people's lives for them. I can only direct them and tell them, here's the things that I recommend you do. Here's what scripture says. Here's what other people have done, but you can't force someone to change. And it's almost like this heaviness on me lately where I just, I see the chains that people are in the shackles, the bondage. And it pisses me off. Like, I don't know any other way to say it, but I am like, I am irritated. I am ready to fight. I am so sick of the devil taking these souls and thinking that he can just have his way with them. And I went and saw a prophet last week. There was a prophet in my town who she flew in from Ireland And she was speaking at a place. And I went with a few of my friends. There's like 200 people that were there listening to her. We met in this warehouse in the, like the back of this industrial building. And it was very like secretive. I felt like, and I've never heard a prophet speak. I've never, I didn't even really know a whole lot about prophets. I know that obviously they're gifted from God and Um, I didn't know the difference between being gifted of the gift of prophecy and then being a prophet. There's actually a difference between the two of them. And listening to her, it just made things even heavier because she opened my eyes and showed me the way that the world is moving, the way that people are handling situations, the way that the devil is at work and he's masking his work as good work so for instance we live in the united states or i live in the united states some of you might not live here but i live in the u.s and here the government backs our religion choice of christianity they're okay with it they're like you can have a church you can have a bible you can pray you can do whatever you want here you go well the prophet her name's emma stark was saying that because it's allowed, when the government allows you to do something at free will, you're thinking, this is great. The government's allowing me to be a Christian. What a blessing. But actually what it does is it makes you a really comfortable, watered down version of Christianity because there is really no urgency. You're not hiding and seeking the Lord for the truth. You're not really diving into everything he has for you because it's just so available. And yeah, I'll go to church next Sunday. I'll find, I'll Google and find a different one. And we become these just super comfortable Christians. And a lot of us label ourselves as Christians. And we truly believe we are Christians, but the devil has this veil over us that he's like, okay, let's just keep you thinking that you're doing good enough. And I'm going to go over here and mess with someone else. And here you are thinking, I'm, I'm doing great. I'm I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. I listen to Christian music. I go to church sometimes. And you feel like you're doing good enough, but truly you're half asleep. And you have this veil over you and you're a lukewarm Christian and you're comfortable and you don't have this urgency in you. If you don't have the urgency in you, like we need to fight. We need to wake up. We We are at war then you've fallen asleep. It's not that you're lazy. It's not that you are you don't care. It's that you've been tricked and you're half asleep and you don't even realize it. And I keep realizing that I am half asleep. And when I go into places like where I want to cancel everything, cancel the call, cancel my meeting, cancel my plans, cancel myself, that is the devil disguising it And saying, you should, you know, you're probably burnt out. You should relax. You should take a nap. You should, you don't need to do that call. Nobody's even going to be on anyway. You know, and it's, it's not that you realize that it's the devil. He doesn't show up with, you know, his pitchfork and his red horns. And he's like, here I am. Like he disguises himself and he's so tricky that if you are not constantly connected to God and you are not constantly looking out and you are in the herd with the other sheep, you will be devoured whether you realize you're being devoured or you don't. And some people get to the point where they realize I am under a spiritual attack. It is bad. I know the devil is after me. I know I've been fighting this, but the majority of people that are being attacked don't even realize it. They they don't re- it's not like the devil came and ripped off your leg and you're on the hill as a sheep, like flailing and suffering. A lot of times it's just like a, a little, bug on your back that you don't even feel in all your wool. <laughs> you don't even know what's, what's happening. And I have seen some sneaky things that the devil has been doing lately and the people that have been coming to me, uh, some of my clients that I coach one-on-one, some people in clarity calls, people in my family, people in my church, friends of mine. I kind of made a list of some things that I saw happening in their lives and I wanted to share some of them and I wanted to talk a little bit more about the analogy of what a shepherd's job is with his herd and his flock of sheep and then what it's like when we are a sheep and when we leave the herd and one thing that I noticed happens with almost every new Christian is the spirit of offense really takes a hold of you. So when you're like, okay, enough is enough. Enough is enough. I need to get my butt to church. I am sick of talking about it. I'm sick of saying I'm going to go. I need to get into a church. That whole realization sometimes takes years for people to finally say, I'm going to do this. And when you finally plug in to the herd and you're finally like, okay, here I am. The devil is like, I do not want you here. You need to be on your own. You, You need to be over here. And the best way that I've seen him do this. So sneaky is by getting in your head and getting you offended you're you're offended over the littlest things and I had someone uh recently I a lot of people actually not even just one person it's a whole handful of people that have recently broken out of this and started coming to our church and they're in it and they start coming to this stuff and they're showing up and they're there and then all of a sudden they're gone and when I reach out to them It You know, that's really not for me. I thought it was going to be different. The more people I talk to, I realize that this is just how churches are. And it's just very clicky. I didn't feel welcomed. I didn't feel like anyone talked to me. I just kind of felt a lot. I felt weird. You know, I just, I'm going to find a different church. And this has happened to me. So I'm not just preaching to you, but I have felt offended. I have felt on the outskirts of my church. I have felt rejected. And I've said, I'm going to go to a different church. And there's a book called The Bait of Satan by John Bevere. I talked about lots of times because it is a phenomenal book. And when you listen to this, you realize just how good the devil is at offending you. You might not even think you're offended. And I want to challenge you. If you feel like I'm not an offended person, like if this, this really isn't for me. You need to listen to this book because you're not even aware of it yet, because every single person under the sun deals with this, like 100%. This isn't just something that some people deal with. Everyone deals with this. Episode 31 I recorded, it's called No Offense, and it's all about being offended. And I talk about the book a little bit more too. So if offense is something that you want to dive a little bit more into, you want to be aware and have your guard up some more to make sure that the devil doesn't offend you and get you away from people you need to actually be with. Uh, Listen to that episode 31. I recorded at the very beginning of this year and get the book Bait of Satan by John Bevere and start reading it. It's going to change your, it's going to change your whole world. He's getting people offended and he's getting them away from Christians. And that's exactly what I saw happen with two of my friends recently who don't really have anyone in their life. They don't really have a lot of people around them. They don't really have people that can speak life into them. They've dealt with a lot of generational struggles. And of course, the second they get involved with Christian, healthy Christians, I don't want to just say Christians because there's a lot of unhealthy Christians. Doesn't mean you're not going to heaven, but it just means that the things that you're doing aren't very healthy. But The second you get around a healthy Christian, it's like, oh, absolutely not. This person needs to go. And then they're gone and they're offended and they're out. Another thing I've seen happen recently is lust and temptation. People that are in committed relationships who truly love their partner and they are so happy with their home life. But the devil comes in and gets them with lust and temptation. And all of a sudden they're doing things. They never wanted to do, and they have an immense amount of shame and guilt around it. And it starts to mess with their heads. This happened to me. So just because things are going good at home and you're like, I would never, I would literally never cheat on my spouse. I would never even commit adultery with lustful thoughts. And I'm, I'm over that. I would never do that. Don't let the devil get in your head and make you think that you're over it because just like that, someone can come into your life and all of a sudden things change. You have to keep your guard up because this can happen at any moment. And it's not like you're happy at home one day and all of a sudden you get a text from someone that says, Hey, let's you know go out to dinner and get a hotel downtown. Like it's, it's not like right to it. It's like, Very slow, very gradual. The change is very gradual. So it's like, hey, why don't you come out with us? And the girls, we're going out, you know, we're just going out to dinner. And then you go out and you go out to dinner and there's some single people there and they're talking to guys or, you know, it's just a very slippery slope. And this is what I've seen with one of the people I've been coaching. It's just a slippery slope. It's like, well, I started hanging out with that person and then everything started to change. So are the people you're hanging out with, are they good for you? Meaning they're going to push you closer to Christ in a healthy way, or are they going to pull you away from him? You're either getting closer or you're getting further away. There is no in between. Um, Caitlin says we get complacent and aren't constantly on guard because we think it's not an issue anymore. Exactly. You're like, oh, I'm over that. I'm healed. I don't struggle with that anymore. That's exactly what he wants you to think. Like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm fine. I can go out for drinks. I can go there. I can do that. And you can't. You have to be very careful. Because the things with lust and temptation, you know, this person that I was coaching, this could have ruined their life. And the only reason why it didn't ruin their life is because their spouse was a healthy Christian And had good influences around them and realized this is just a temptation. This was just an attack of the devil. And instead of leaving you to then create a broken home in our family and create generational sin that trickled down. They chose to forgive and move on and get closer to God. And, you know, it's going to be okay. I'm not going to let the devil tear apart our family. We're going to get you help. I'm going to get help and we're going to stay together. But if that person didn't have a spouse that thought that way, it would have been game over for them. And now their daughter would have grown up in a house. That's a broken home who didn't have both of her parents together. And, and I, I am from that. I am from that abandonment, that brokenness. Then you need the approval of men and you're seeking this out. So it's like, this is exactly what the devil wanted. But the world says, oh, they cheated on you. No, Once a cheater, always a cheater. You need to leave. I mean, this is like, it's so ingrained in us. People don't change is what I hear all the time. People don't change. They're always the same. You need to get out. You don't deserve this. But really, like, what do we deserve? Luckily, there's grace because we don't ever really get what we do deserve. Because God's always there. And I'm just so thankful that in this relationship that I was coaching, that the other person was so open to hearing my words of, you know, you're right. You're right. I need to forgive. I need to love. I need to not conquer evil with evil, but I need to realize that this is just a spiritual battle. And now I'm not saying like, you know, you're with someone who's constantly cheating and cheating and cheating and cheating. You're just like always supposed to just be like taking him back and it's okay. And I'll forgive you. Obviously this is different. You know, there's, there's a difference between like a one or two off versus like, a a just like a chronic cheater, someone who just like cannot get it together. And also if somebody is like, I'm going to change, then great. Let's do the things that are going to help you change. And I'm going to talk a little bit about those things that can help you change, but Another thing that I've seen a lot is pride. I just saw a relationship end because of pride, because the, the person was unwilling to put their pride aside and change their ways. I mean, like, literally, you're so hard headed. You're so set in your ways, which you know, aren't good ways. Like, you know that you were raised in an angry home and now you're angry and now it's ruining your relationship, but you're not willing to change. You're not even willing to admit that you have something wrong with you. And you're like, well, this is just how I am. So here we go. And you're going to end a good relationship all because of your pride, because you can't put it down. And it's not that you don't want to. You want to. You want to to change. You you don't want to fall into lust and temptation. You don't want to be offended. You don't want to be proud. But you are. And I'm going to give you five things after I give you this list of a couple more things. Uh, The five things that you need to do when you realize, like, I I am struggling with this. I am at this point. I am so proud and I want to change and I can't. I know I need to say I'm sorry. I know I need to say you're right. I'm wrong. But I cannot say the words. Like, they cannot come out. And it's it's a shackle. All of these things are shackles where you want to go further in your journey of life, but you're held at a certain distance because you have a shackle on your ankle connected to a wall and you can only get so far until you've reached the end of your rope and you can't go any further. So your pride is keeping you at this place where you can't go any further in your walk with Christ, in your relationship, in your own life. And we see these things like, like hopelessness and I've been seeing this like crazy where I have people contact me. You know, I have a couple things that I do. So when I get a new follower, I send a message to them that just kind of introduces myself to them and says, I host a podcast. It's for unfulfilled women. If you're struggling, if you're feeling hopeless, if you feel like you have nowhere to go, you know, God has something big in store for you, but you don't know what it is and you're struggling. Please start waking up with me. Please start listening to my podcast." Don't let the devil isolate you. And a lot of times they get responses back to that message that are more times than not. The message back is, I am that person. I, I am hopeless. I am struggling. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. There are so many options. There are so many thoughts in my head. I've done so many things wrong. I'm struggling so bad. I don't even know where to start. I don't even know where to turn. And that is also a shackle on your ankle that's keeping you from where you need to be. And I did a podcast on Satan's shackles. It is episode 52. And it's a lot about emotions like fear, grief, loneliness, worry, stress, doubt, revenge, bitterness, hatred, all of these things that are keeping you chained And preventing you from getting to freedom where God wants you to go. He promises freedom in your life if you follow him. And, you know, it's really keeping us from where we need to go and where we need to get to in this life. And and here's the thing. So one of my clients that I was just talking to is dealing with hopelessness a ton right now. And I got a 911 call from her on Monday afternoon. And she was crying and she was like, I, Taryn, I don't know what to do. I feel hopeless. I feel helpless. I am struggling. I feel lost. I feel like my soul is gone. I just feel so defeated and I'm struggling and I don't know what to do. And I can't stop smoking weed and drinking alcohol every day when I wake up because I just feel so bad. And what am I going to do? And I just, I know that something needs to change in my life. And I know that there's something out there, but like, how do I change it? What do I do? And I told her, I said, I'm like, it's, it's because you're not turning to God. And we've talked about this a million times. And that's why I could tell her that, that you're not turning to God. You're trying to do this on your own. And you're wondering why you feel so hopeless and terrible, because you have removed yourself from the herd, the protection of the shepherd and the other people of the church or the herd. The church is not a building. The church is a group of believers that are believing the same thing. They're, they can see, they're watching, they're on guard together. They're keeping you safe. They're, they're influencing you in the right way you have removed yourself from the herd and you're over on the side of the hill screaming. And the, the lion is like, Oh heck. Yeah. Like, I don't look at this. Pray right here. Here is lunch. And just devours you. And that's the scripture in the Bible that these aren't things that I'm just making up that I'm like, this is a good analogy. Like this is talked about in the Bible. If you remove yourself from the herd, all kinds of crazy things start to happen. And you're really left to fend for yourself. So you're no longer under the the protection of the shepherd and the group. So not only are you fending for yourself now, but you're always running and hiding from the shepherd because he will not stop looking for you. So now you're, you're running and hiding from the devil, but you're also running and hiding from the shepherd because in a sense, you don't want to be found. And every single person that I talk to, including this person on Monday, they tell me, Taryn, I know God's been calling me. I know he's looking for me. I know I can tell, I can tell that he's calling. I can hear his voice. And I know that he's telling me go to church read your Bible, call this Christian friend, download the Bible app, watch the chosen. But I know that he's telling me to do these things, but if I can hear him and I know he's telling me these things, why don't I do them? You know, I know I need to go to church and I know that's where I need to start, but why, how come I'm not going? I, I want to go so bad. And every Sunday I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go to church. I'm going to go. Here's the service. Here's where I'm going. I'm going to show up. Here I go. And every Sunday something comes up and I don't go to church. I either wake up sick or I don't feel like it, or my husband doesn't want to go, or my kids are sick, or you know, I get a phone call or I wake up late, or there's always something where I don't go. And I'm like, you know what? I'll just watch online this week. And she asked me if I want to go to church so bad, And I know that I need to go. Why am I not going? And it's because the devil doesn't want you to go. So because of this shackle on your ankle, you can't get to the church. Because you will literally, your brain is so powerful. Your brain will literally make up things that are happening in your life to make it seem like this is so big and huge. I can't do this thing. So for me, my brain always fakes sick all the time. And when it's happening, I am actually sick, which is the craziest, scariest thing ever. Um, the book is called The Big Leap. I don't know who it's by, but there's a fish bowl and a fish jumping out of the bowl, the big leap. My coach told me to read it recently. I read it over the summer and in the book, it talks about this. And this is when I made the connection and realized that my brain plays tricks on me. That if you don't want to do something at the core of your being, and you're trying to just trick yourself and say like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Your brain will actually make up reasons to keep you where you need to be. So the thing for me, Gay Hendricks. I knew you were going to do that, Kayla. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Gay Hendricks is the author of The Big Leap. And your brain will actually make up excuses to protect you. So if you the example he gives in the book is if you have this big presentation you need to do and you are terrified to do it and you do not want to do it. You don't like public speaking. You don't like to talk in front of anybody, let alone standing up in front of this whole room. You have to give this presentation. Some people will actually lose their voice, develop laryngitis where they cannot speak and they have to cancel it. Your body can do that. And you might have even heard of people who want to be pregnant so bad and want to be pregnant. They will actually start to have all the symptoms of pregnancy. Like you will have morning sickness. You will start to have weird food cravings and aversions, You will start to even gain weight even gain a bump like this your brain is so powerful and so for me i get sick and i'm like well i'm sick i can't go like i i'm sick i need to cancel i have a headache my whole body hurts and this was starting to happen this morning i woke up and i was tired and i'm like i think i have a headache i do have a headache oh my body hurts oh i'm like so achy like oh my gosh my neck i need to stretch I think I need to just go back to sleep. Like I, and in my mind, I'm just like convincing myself. Like, yeah, like you're so sick. You're sick. You probably shouldn't do the call. You probably shouldn't do anything today. You're just sick. You should lay in bed. I really don't feel good. My mom's sick right now. Maybe I have what she has. Do I have a fever? Oh, I feel like I'm like cold sweating. I need to take a shower. And then I'm like, decide, no, I'm not going to cancel the call. For I don't care if I'm sick. I have stuff to do. I'm going to push through. All of a sudden my symptoms are gone. Like everything is gone. I feel totally fine. And this really can happen because your brain is like, no, your kids are sick. We shouldn't go to church. No, your husband. Yeah. He's worked hard. He doesn't want to wake up early on Sunday. We should just stay home. We can just watch it online. We can just like, without even realizing your brain is like, okay, what other excuse can we give her? What other excuse can we give her? What else can we do? What else can we do? And it's, you know, it's so hard doing that because you're just like constantly battling yourself. Okay, other things that are on here, generational curses and sins, I have been talking to so many people about, and a lot of these things that I already mentioned can kind of fall into the same category. So for instance, you know, lust and temptation, where you're seeking the approval of other people. The reason why you're seeking the approval of these other people when you have a happy life at home is because... Something is broken inside of you where you don't feel approved. You don't feel desired. You don't feel wanted. You're seeking the world to make you feel this way when really you should be seeking God. Nothing satisfies like Jesus will. And you're trying to just feel better. You feel empty and you don't really feel that special and unique. So when you find someone who doesn't really know you and you can be whoever you want, and they just met you and they're like you're beautiful. Oh my gosh, you're so funny. You're so smart. You're you know you have so much money, you're whatever. And that's what you feel like you need is that feeling. But where that comes from, and this person that I was coaching, this couple, that that feeling is coming from a broken home and not having a father. And this person always has felt this need for approval. And this need to be seen and this need to be desired, which I can relate. And I gave my testimony at my graduation for my 12-step recovery program on Monday um, at the, the commencement. And I talk about this, that this was me. This is what I did. I sought the approval of men because I had this missing piece inside of me. I wanted to be I wanted to be seen and and feel special and unique and chosen and all these things that I should be getting from God, but I was seeking it from men that came because I didn't have that growing up. And so I just thought, okay, well, how am I going to get this myself? So what happens is now this person cheats, they have a daughter at home. They had problems because of how they were raised. Now they're repeating the process down the family tree. Now their home is broken. Their child will now grow up without that stability and could, could seek out their approval of men. Maybe not, but it could happen. And then that's when generational sins and curses continue. Like your father was an alcoholic and now you're an alcoholic and now your kid is seeing you be an alcoholic, so that's what's happening. And another thing is that I've been seeing is addiction. And that's exactly what it was. This girl's parents were full-blown alcoholics because their parents were full-blown alcoholics. They became, her and her brother became alcoholics. And now she can't stop drinking. And she knows that because she was raised in this home where she saw her parents drinking, Even though it was so dysfunctional and she hated it and promised she would never, ever expose her kids to that, here she is exposing her kids to this, hiding her drinking in shame, not wanting to continue the cycle, thinking she's doing a good job doing it, but her whole family is breaking apart because of the addiction. She was actually even told, if you continue to drink, you will die. Your liver and your kidneys is shutting down at the early age of 30. Because of how much alcohol you're consuming, do you want to die and leave your kids without a mom? Or do you want to quit drinking? She quits drinking, she's sober for a couple of months, and all of a sudden starts drinking again. And this is the cycle we see over and over. It's like we've been to rehab nine times, we've been to outpatient, we've been to inpatient, we've been to jail, we've been to everything trying to break this addiction, and we're stuck. And to me, I just see it as a way that the devil's controlling you and ruining your life and everything else around you. And here's what I want to tell you. If you feel like you are under attack and you're listening to this podcast and you're, you're thinking, this is my life. <laughs> this is me. I'm hopeless. I'm lost. I'm addicted. All of these, I'm offended. I'm struggling with temptation, generational sins, you name it. I just want you to think about something for a minute. Imagine how valuable your soul must truly be to God and fulfilling his mission and recruiting for his kingdom and being a light in this world. Imagine how gifted you must be. You're so highly sought after from God that the devil sees you as a threat. And he's like, Oh no, I need to not allow this to happen because there is a spiritual war going on. God is recruiting for his kingdom. He is the light of the world. He is showing you turn to me. You can't do this on your own. Stop thinking you can control it all. Stop trusting in the world. Stop trusting in yourself. Stop trusting in your brokenness. Turn to me. Surrender. Repent. Believe. Come closer to me and I will fill you with gifts. I will heal you. I will break the bondage. I will set you free. I will create abundance in your life. I will create health in your life once you were dead and now you are brought to life as a new creation in Christ you can then change the world with your gifts with your testimony with talking about what god has done for you in your life you can be this light you can give your gifts you can like like me right here on this podcast if the devil would have kept me down in the valley where i lived most of my life addicted struggling with lust abandonment, isolation, fear, being offended, feeling hopeless, all of the things above that I was stuck in the valley, I never would have started this podcast. By doing this podcast, we have 12,000, maybe now 13,000 listeners, people that are being impacted by the words of God realizing, oh my gosh, I don't have to stay in the Valley. I can get out. So the devil is like, oh no, you don't. Like Taryn, you need to shut your mouth. You need to be quiet because I liked it better when you were recruiting for the world and you were trying to convince people to sacrifice everything they had to make a bunch of money, to have a bunch of stuff that they wanted. Cause that's what I used to do. I was using my influence and my voice In my gifts of public speaking to encourage people to sacrifice time with their family, sacrifice everything that really matters for a period of time so then you can have everything you've ever wanted that no one else has. But that's not what God says to do. God says, who cares about stuff of this world? When you die, it all doesn't go with you. None of it goes with you. Not even your clothes that you have go with you. You take nothing with you. He says in scripture, do not focus on things of this world, but focus on things above. Set your mind on things above, not of things of this earth. Like You need to be focused on something different. So when I was recruiting, I wasn't really recruiting for the devil, but I was recruiting for his plan and what he says. It really was a muzzle on me that kept me in this cell where I felt like I was free. And I felt like one day if I made enough money, I would be free, which was just a trick. Getting me to work and work and work and sacrifice and just be distracted from the real issue. And then now I'm recruiting for Jesus. And there have been, there have been so many people set free because of what I'm saying, not because of me, but because of God moving through me. And so just think about that for a second. If you feel like you're in this battle, or maybe you've always felt like you're in a battle, you know that your entire life, the devil has been trying to pull you down. And if you just tell me your life story, I can see it. You know, when I, when I sit down to meet with someone for the first time, and I don't know anything about them, I, I need to gather information. So I'm like, tell me how you grew up. Tell me about your life. And, and this is what I hear. Well, you know, my parents were drug addicts. My mom was an alcoholic. I grew up, they were never really around. I got pregnant when I was young, started doing drugs. We didn't have money. So, I, and it's just like one thing after another, you know, that I was with this guy and he beat me up and I finally left that situation in. And met another guy and he was great until he wasn't and then i was stuck there and i had no car and i had no job and i had no money and i couldn't get out and i was in this abusive relationship and then i finally got out i went into a shelter with my daughter then my daughter got pregnant and and you can just see like how it's trickling down and how the devil doesn't want this entire family and you can look up in your family tree and if there are no believers in your family tree and you can see like your parents, your grandparents, your great, great grandparents, your, your aunts, your uncles, your cousins, no one really was a, 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 not like a believer. Cause you can say, I believe in God, even the devil believes in God. So I don't mean a believer. I mean like a true practicing healthy Christian that is devoting their life to the words of God. If you don't have anyone like that in your family tree, because no one was strong enough or I guess I could say everyone's pride was too strong where they couldn't turn to a savior and realize I need help change this. And you might be the first person in your generation that is going to be strong enough because of God, because you're never going to be strong enough in your own flesh. I don't care what degrees you have, what experience you have, what I, what books you read, who's mentoring you the sacrifices you're making, none of that matters. The only thing that matters is if you're going to let God do this for you and do this in your life. You are surrendering your life. You're saying, I cannot do this anymore. And that's actually number one. So there's five things that you need to do in order to get out of this way of living, this craziness to be like, okay, Taryn, you talked me into it. I am done living in fear. I am done living in isolation. I am done living with addiction and low self-worth and hopelessness and being offended and tempted. What do I do? And this is something that I'm I'm creating next as a free offer because day after day after day after day, I have people coming to me and saying, okay, I get it you've convinced me. What do I do? What do I do? I will do it. I will do anything you tell me to do. What will I do? First of all, let me just say that a lot of people say that and they don't really mean it. And they're going to say, I'll do whatever. I'll do whatever. I'll do whatever. But they're still not doing the thing. And I really think it's because as a human mind, we think like, let's talk about like just losing weight for a second. Cause everyone knows what it's like to either have to lose or gain weight. So when you're like, okay, I need, I have a weight issue, whether you're too thin or, or you're bigger than you want to be. You're a little fluffy. As my friend Kelly says, um, you're, you're like, okay, I need to do this. I need to start eating healthier and, and I need to start moving my body. We know those things. It's not that we don't lose the weight or gain the weight because we don't know how to do it. We know how to do it. But then you think, what am I going to eat? I need a meal prep. I'm so busy. I don't even have time to meal prep. I don't even know what to eat. I hear that like keto is good. And then I should be on a Mediterranean diet and don't eat carbs. They're bad. But then I hear people say that carbs were not that bad. And then I hear people say, don't you dare eat fruit when you're on a diet because there's so much sugar in it. But then other people are like, yeah, it's whole foods. Like eat your whole foods. they are like, I don't know. Okay. I need to find a diet, whatever. Okay. I need to start working out. Ugh, I don't have any money to go to the gym. It's cold out right now. I can work out at home, I Hate working out at home. Well, I can just start doing it. I can start doing like yoga or stretches. I'll start doing cardio stuff. I'll go to the gym sometimes, I guess. I'll see if I can save some money and get a gym membership. I'll go to the gym. And then what am I going to do about Christmas? All the cookies and all the food we have at Christmas. like it's so good and I don't want to be on a diet when it's Christmas time. So maybe I'll start in the new year. Maybe I'll just like be fine with how I look right now. I'll start like, forget all of this. I'll just start in January. The reason why you don't actually start step one of eating healthy and moving your body is because your brain instantly is like, what's step two through 100? Let's think about all of those steps. And then in the middle of thinking of steps two through 100, you're so overwhelmed. You've talked yourself out of it. You, there's so many unknowns. Like, well, how am I going to fit that into my schedule? And how am I even going to make this food? And is anyone in my house going to even eat it? And then my husband's going to have to, he's not going to want to eat this stuff. Now I have to make dinner for me and for my family. And so you're thinking of all these things that literally don't even matter. And we do this in business. Terry and I talked about this yesterday. We do this in business where it's like, I have this idea. I'm going to start a podcast. You're like, well, how do I start a podcast? Well, I need a mic. I don't really have money. I need a topic. I don't really know what I would talk about. And then you're like, you're talking about like, Well, I don't have anyone that I can interview and I don't even know about, I don't know anything about Zoom. How am I even going to record the podcast? And it's keeping you from just starting to talk because you're trying to plan step 100 and you don't know how you're going to do step 100, which it doesn't even matter because you don't even do step one yet. Step one is the first thing you need to do. So step one is talking to God. Step one is not going to church. Step one is not journaling. It's not memorizing scripture. It's not telling someone your story. Step one is talking to God. And yes, you might say, Taryn, I've been talking to God. I tell God all the time, Lord, help me. Please, God, help me out of the situation. There's a difference. There's two things that people, how they talk to God. and, And this is, these are great things to do, but it's not what I'm referring to. The first thing is when you're, you're spending time with God but you're also spending time with another person. So listening to my podcast technically you're spending time with God. You're learning about God, you're being, you know, you're being influenced in the right direction, but it's you, me and God. So you're hearing the way that God's talking to me through my lens. You're at breakfast with me and God talking and you're listening to our conversation. Now can that be very life-changing and motivational and inspirational? Of course, yes, it can. That, that's amazing. Like, let me just sit and listen. But it's not you and God talking together. The other thing is you're talking to God throughout your day, but your mind isn't 100% focused on God. It's focused on driving your car or cooking your dinner or you're just kind of talking to God, like, Lord, please help me. Oh, Lord, give me help, give me strength, help me with this, God, please. And you're just like, you're like, yeah, I'm talking to God, I'm talking to God, Taryn, but it's not working. But here's what you need to do: you need to go in a room by yourself and close the door, lock the door, pretend like you're taking a bath so nobody bothers you. Like I'm taking a bath, don't come in here. Turn on the bath water, lock the door. Okay, whatever you have to do to be uninterrupted for at least 15 minutes, that's what I want you to do. Lock the door, get on your knees and talk to God for 15 minutes, surrendering your life to him. Showing God that you are going to take precious time out of your day to get on your knees and tell God, I cannot do this anymore. I am done. And, you know, it's really like out of desperation. And I got this bookmark at my new life graduation and it says desperation. God brings new life to those who are desperate enough to trust and follow him. And then it's Psalm 27, 8. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. He is saying, come and talk with me, come and talk with me, come here. And if you have kids, you can, you can really relate to this when your kids are like broken and they're sad and they're upset and they're throwing a fit. And you're like, come here, come here. Just give me a hug. It's okay. Like, come here. It's okay. I know. I know you're upset. Come here. That's what God is telling you. Like, come here, come here. Stop, stop cooking. Stop busying yourself. Like, come on, come in here. Close the door sit down. I want to talk to you. And he promises all over scripture that if you come to him, he will draw near to you. So this isn't like a, hopefully God answers. When I go in my room, this is a, God is already there waiting for you. And he is already answering you. It's a promise of his, he will answer you. This is, You are admitting, I don't care what you say and and neither does God, but this is the, these are the three things that you need to touch on when you're talking to him. You need to admit, believe, and trust. I am admitting I cannot do this anymore. I am not as great as I once thought I was. I suck at trying to do this thing on life on my own. And I admit that I cannot do it anymore. I am admitting that I am weak. You can fall apart in front of God. It doesn't, he already knows these things about you. So you don't have to try to like, hold it together anymore. Admit that you can't just believe. I am believing in you and I am believing in what you have said. I am believing in what everyone else has said about you. I believe, and I'm going to trust you. It's going to be hard, but God help me to trust you. I am going to admit, believe and trust in this process and I promise to continue doing these things until eventually I feel it. And there and then talking to him is also praying. So if if you've been praying for a while and you know how to pray and everything great, just you know, talk to him, pray. If you need help with this and you're like I don't even know what to pray for, I don't even know what to say, and you're a brand new believer, then I have created a list of prayers for you that you can go to my Instagram at Taryn Sarconi. click on the link in my bio, and I have free offers at at the top, freebies. One of them are, pray. I actually have two different prayers. I have prayers for moms, and then just prayers in general. Click on that and download it and print it out, and these are a good way of starting to pray where you can start realizing you know all of really just all of these things that you need to say to God. And it'll start coming out, it'll start working. Um, step two is learning and knowing his words. So this is something that you need to do. You need to talk to him and surrender and get in the room and do this. And then the next step is learning and knowing his words and what he says. So the easiest way to do this, is reading scripture. And your Bible seems overwhelming. You don't understand it. You don't know where to start. You're like, I don't even know. That's just like too much, too much for me. So this is what I do all the time. I go on Google and I type in scriptures on hopelessness, scriptures on anxiety, scriptures on fear scriptures on god's promises scriptures about the devil whatever you're struggling with so let's say we're struggling with hopelessness i need to google scriptures on hopelessness the link i click on is openbible.info that will pop up here's what it here's a couple of things of what it says when you when you type in what does the bible say about hopelessness okay When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Like how comforting is that? Okay, this is in the Bible. Another one. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil to give you future and a hope. God says, I am giving you these things. The devil right now is taking them away from you. Another one, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Another one, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Another one, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with every temptation, he also gives you a way to escape. Another one, come to me, all who are labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. Another, they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up like wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. For nothing is impossible with God. He will wipe away every tear from your eyes. All of these This one, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. When you're hopeless, you need to know what he says. This is how he's responding to you. You're saying, Lord, I can't do this anymore. I am miserable. Maybe you're struggling with fear and anxiety. And and you're just riddled with fear and anxiety. And your brain is going crazy. And you spend time with God talking for 15 minutes in the room with the door shut. And then you come out and you type, what does the Bible say about fear and anxiety? And you click on open Bible and you look and you see, fear not, I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer. When I am afraid, I put my trust in God. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. You can read these things and realize, okay. Okay, this one, Psalm 34. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all of my fears. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for you are with me your rod and staff they comfort me. The Lord will fight for you you only have to be silent. I mean what an amazing scripture Exodus 14:14. 14, 14. The Lord will fight for you and you have only to be silent. And I'm actually getting ready I'm putting notes together for an upcoming um, call on being silent and what that means to be still and to be silent. You don't have to figure this out. You don't have to figure out how it ends. You're not in charge anymore. Remember, you surrendered your life. God, you do it. I suck. You do it. I'm not coming up with a plan. You do it. And literally, all you have to do is be silent. Shut off your brain, stop the thinking, stop the fear, stop things that read the words. So number one is you're talking to him. Number two is you're learning his words. So when I pull up these scriptures, what I like to do is in a notebook or on uh, index cards, you can write out the scriptures that really sit well with your spirit. And I talk about this all the time because I keep talking about it because people aren't doing it. And this is truly what has delivered me and what has helped me to have these. I even went on Amazon and I ordered these little um, rings, these little clips. Uh, And I have them on on this and it's God's promises. And I have them, I wrote them handwriting. I wrote his promises down. And I kept these in my purse for a very long time. And when I would start to freak out And feel like, I I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. Oh my gosh, I can't do this. Something's going to go wrong. It's not going to work. I would open these and I'm like, okay, call upon me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search me with all your heart. I'm like, okay, God, I need to do that. He has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Wow, I am blessed. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. In him, we have redemption through his blood. We're secured forever by the Holy Spirit. We're children of light. The Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace from Egypt to be a people for his own good possession. Behold, I have engraved, engraved you on the palms of my hands your walls are continually before me. Like I kept on to these scriptures. Like I need this. And I would like read that literally like, a, like a, I always say like a crackhead because sometimes I feel like, because I used to, I didn't actually used to be a crackhead, but I used to do cocaine and take pills and stuff. And I would be like, so if you've ever struggled with addiction, you, you are going to know what I say. But when you're like, Oh my gosh, like I need something. I, I need my fix. I need I need this, like, okay, I need, I need to get high. I need to take this pill. I need to find this stuff. You'll literally do anything. Like you're, you're like, I will do anything. I need to drink. I need to smoke. I need to do whatever. And you have this like urgency in you to do it. I'm always like, gosh, I wish I could really like take that energy and use it for good. Like I could be like a crackhead looking at like, where's, where's my scripture cards? Where are my scripture cards? Like, I need my scripture cards. I need to read them. And then I'm like, okay, okay, here we go call upon me. Okay, here we go. Like here, like, and it really is. It's like homing, like, like a drug addict, like a Christ addict. Like you're like, I need the goodness. I need this in me. Um, number three is you need to learn and know your identity. You got to know it. If you don't know what God says about you, you'll never know who you are because up until this point, You've gotten who you are based on what everyone else has said about you and how, and the things you have said about you, and you're taking your identity from the things that you've done, the sin that you've committed, the things that you have shame and guilt about, and you have this whole view of yourself, which is causing you to not act like your true self and You're not making the right decisions because you don't really know your identity and you're allowing people to treat you in a way that doesn't line up. So let's say that someone is, let's say you're the princess and you are, you're like in the olden days, you know, and you're the, you're the princess of Egypt and you're this princess. But right when you were born, you were given away and you were raised in some, you know, country that was just so poor. No one had anything. It was, let's say it's like Zion and it's just, it's just horrible. Or it's like Nineveh. It's just like filled with just prostitutes and trash and sin and evilness. And you are raised in this, in this world and you become your environment and this is who you are. And it's like, you were a princess. You were a princess of Egypt. You were you were supposed to be in the palace. Your dad is the king. Like you're literally eating out of trash. You're sleeping around with all these people for money. Like, do you know who you are? Or we've heard before, like the eagle that falls out of the nest and is raised with the chickens, and he's pecking on the ground and he's doing all the things that the chickens do. And he's looking in the sky at all the eagles flying. And he's like, wow, wish I could fly. Wish I could do that. You can do that. You just don't think that you can. So you need to know your identity. And two ways to do it, um, or two studies, I will say. Uh, The first one, if you really want to transform your life. And you're like, enough is enough. Like, I got to do something. I cannot even recommend the new life recovery program enough. And I just graduated. It's a 12 step, 12 month recovery program. You can be in recovery for over 114 different things like fear, anxiety, um, food addictions, you name it. Okay. Okay. If you don't know your identity, New Life is a great place to start. And I just updated the link in my bio. Um, When you click on it and you go to the bottom under resources, it has the New Life program there. You can click on it and you can either search for in-person groups or virtual groups. Go to in-person first and type in your zip code and see if there is one within an hour vicinity of you. And if there is You have to do this. It will change your life. You will have so much freedom. You won't even believe that you're the same person. If there isn't one in your area, look for a virtual one and join a virtual program. You meet once a week for an hour, hour and a half. And then every day you have a little section in your book to do. It takes maybe five to 15 minutes. Not that big of a deal. Very simple. And it's going to teach you step-by-step-by-step-by-step how to get closer to God, how to get freedom. It is so simple. It is so laid out so simply. It is the best program I have ever seen or been a part of, hands down. The other thing that you can do is a seven-week program. And it's following the book Defined by Priscilla Shire. And I also have that linked in my resources at the bottom of the link on my bio. And both are phenomenal. They'll teach you your identity. They'll tell you who you are in Christ for real. And you need to do that. If you haven't done these things, you don't know who you are. You you don't even realize that you actually are the daughter of the highest king in the entire universe. Like the creator of everything and everyone is Yo daddy. Like, that's who he is. You are the daughter of the highest king who ever has reigned. You're the daughter. And these promises he has for you will literally blow your mind where you're like, this, this? He's talking about me? (laughs) He's talking about me in here? Like, I didn't know I was this person. I've never been thought of this way. No one ever told me that I was special. And if you've been from generational sin, people might've told you the opposite. They might've told you, oh, stop. You're never going to achieve anything. You're a loser. You're a so-and-so. We never do anything big. You know, you'll have these like beliefs that were ingrained in your brain. The other thing you can do is Google um, what does scripture say about my identity? And you can click on the open Bible link and you can read and you can see all of the scriptures. You are his workmanship. You are formed in the womb and appointed a prophet in the nations. You're chosen. You're royalty. You're created in his own image. You're an individual member of God's body. All of these things where you're like, whoa, that's me? I am holy? That's crazy. I've never thought of that. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You can go and you can read these. Anyone that really connects with your spirit, write them down. Make a whole stack of cards on your identity. Next time you're questioning your identity, you're feeling worthless you're, you're dealing with abuse or someone speaking negativity over you, whether it be your own brain or someone else, you can pull out your identity cards and say, no, this is not who I am. And I've thought a million times about creating these like bundles and selling them, but I feel like it would be a disservice to you because you don't need to just buy a little ring of cards on your identity and read them because I'm sure you can do that on Amazon. You need to spend time looking up the answers. You need to write down the ones that really connect to your soul, not just take the ones that connect to my soul. You need to do this where it's in your own handwriting and you can see, oh yeah, I forgot that's who I am. Number four is you need to document everything. You need to get yourself a journal, a notebook from the dollar store. I don't care what it is. It doesn't have to be fancy. The simpler the better is what I found. And you need to start writing things down. The word journal can be very stressful to people like, "Ah, I'm not a good writer. I don't know how to journal. Like this just sounds a lot. Don't think of it as journaling. Just think of it as you're writing. You're keeping track of what's happening in your life. Some things that you can write about, you can write down things that you're currently praying for. So current prayers, underline it, boom, write them down. Um, you can pray about, you can write letters to God, pouring your heart out. God, why do I feel so terrible? Why do I feel so hopeless? Are you even there? Do you even exist? Do you even hear me right now? Is this even working? You can write that down. You can write down your anger, your frustrations. Um, a lot of things that I write down are things I need clarity on discernment on decisions that I need to make like am I going to go to this church or this church am I going to start this ministry or this ministry am I going to leave my husband or am I going to not and I haven't written that lately um, but when I was under the spirit of temptation and lust I was like I think I think I'm going to leave him I think I'm going to do that I think I need I think I need a new life over here I don't deserve this you know writing down things that you need clarity on And those things are so great because then you can look back and you can think, wow, at the moment, I was so lost and had no idea what I wanted. And now, six months later, I'm looking back and I got the clarity that I needed. And look at all these things I was praying for. Look at all the ones that were answered. And it really helps you to document this and look back and see what happened in your life. Write down your feelings. How am I feeling today? today December 7th 2022 feelings underline it feeling tired irritated hopeless frustrated have a lot of fear feeling worried write it down um the other thing and Terry and I talked about this yesterday and I wanted to share that I write down are my fears all the questions I have in my mind about something so, Um, maybe you're not in a place of hopelessness and you're like, I'm, I'm okay. I'm not like in the deep trench of the Valley today. I feel like I'm kind of in a good place because, you know, one day you're literally in the deepest pit of the Valley. And one hour later, you cannot be in there anymore. And it goes vice versa. One day you're in at the highest peak of the mountain. You feel amazing. Two hours later, you're in the pit and you're like, how, how did I get here? Like, It can happen like this because it's based on your emotions and your emotions can change. You know, you get one piece of news or someone calls you or one thing happens, your emotions change. So maybe you're not there, but you're trying to figure out what am I going to do next? Or maybe God has told you, I had a client recently tell me that God keeps telling her everywhere she looks and goes, she hears this message in her brain that says, You need to help women find their worth and get out of narcissistic relationships. She's like, Taryn, every day, every day, it's like help women find their worth and get out of narcissistic relationships. I dream and I hear the words. I wake up and hear them everywhere. I look, it's about narcissism. And I, I don't know what that is. And I'm like, it's God telling you that that's your purpose. It's God telling you that's what you need to do. So what are you going to do next? She's like, I don't know. I don't know how to do this. Like, what am I going to do? And and so I told her to write down her fears. What are you afraid of? That you won't have the advice for people? That you're an imposter? That you're a phony? That you're going to fail? That you're going to screw up? <coughs> Excuse me. Or you're, okay, I'm going to start coaching. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be a life coach. I'm going to help people. Or I'm going to be a traveling nurse, or I'm going to start a, a company, a scrapbooking company. I'm going to be a sobriety coach. I am going to help women connect with their mind, soul, heart, and body and be an embodiment coach. I'm going to write a book, I'm going to start a new brand. Whatever it is that you want to do now, and you have all this fear like, what if I fail? What if I suck? What if it doesn't work? What if all these what ifs? What if, what write them down? Write down what if underline it? What if I fail? What if I suck? What if I'm rejected? And then go back and answer your questions. What if I fail? It's like, okay. And you know what? Don't answer them the same time you write them down. Big tip. Like, write down your questions. Leave gaps underneath them so you can answer them. Answer them tomorrow. Answer them in a couple of days. And look at it. What if I fail? I did this one time, and I'm like, what even is failure? How would I even fail at this? How would I even fail at coaching? Like, people don't feel like their life has changed. Like I know the advice I'm giving you will change your life. So if you're not taking it, that's not on me. That's on you. I literally cannot fail. What even is failure? Okay, so nobody signs up for my coaching program. I didn't fail. I just need to like tweak it and change the way I'm promoting it or change what I'm offering. Like what even is failure? Why did I even write that? I'm like, what if, What if I'm not good enough? Like who even says what good enough is? Do I believe God's telling me to do this? Yes. Do I believe he's going to equip me? Yes. So I can't fail because I'm with God. Let me get out my promises and remember what he says. Or let me Google what does God say about failure and read what it says. Journaling is something that gets better over time. Praying is something that gets better over time. Knowing his scripture gets better over time. You are becoming a disciple. You're not going to do this perfect in the beginning. You're actually going to suck really bad at all these things when you first start doing them. You're going to go to talk to God and you're not even going to have words. And you're going to be like, I feel so stupid right now. I feel like so embarrassed, like sitting down. I was telling my sister, I'm like, she has anxiety. I'm like, you need to. And I told her, I'm like, you need to go in your room for 15 minutes, shut the door and you need to pray. And then you need to look up scriptures on anxiety and you need to write them down. So she does it and she comes back and she's like, I feel so much better, but I don't know why I always feel so stupid. Like, like going in like, okay, God, here I am. And I'm like, I know I felt the same way at first. And, and it just goes away. You don't feel as crazy anymore. Um, this is a learned thing. It's like riding a bike. Like, it's okay. Don't worry about it being perfect. This is your 911 plan. Number 1, 15 minutes go in the room talk to him. Admit, believe, trust. Download my prayer sheet if you need it. Number 2, learn and know his words. Search for different scriptures, write them down, read them out loud. Number 3, know your identity. So get in the study, the new life study or the defined study. Number 4, document everything that you're doing. Write down your questions, write down your concerns, write down your problems, write down praises. This is what's good in my life right now. This is where God is working. I know that God is telling me this stuff. I know that God brought this person to my life for a reason. I know that there is hope. Number five, you need to get connected to a church. Now, don't think of church as a building. Think of church as a group of people gathering somewhere who all are like-minded and have the same focus and the same belief and the same desires. They gather in a building. The church is who you need to be connected to because the church is your herd. The church is your safety. Now, can you get hurt in church? Yes, 100%. Can you get rejected? Yes. I had a friend of mine bring her son to one of our youth programs and he gets bullied in school all the time. And she's like, I'm, you know, I'm so excited. He's going to come to the the group tonight. And he said, mom, what if I get bullied? And I told him, oh gosh, it's church. You're not going to get bullied at church. These people are not going to bully you. And I told her, I said, I would not tell him that <laughs> because church is filled with broken people. It, it, people at church are not perfect people. They are all real. They are all us. They're all struggling. They're all there. They're all on their own journey. So you can get hurt at church. But why you need a church and why you need the group of people is because you need the safety. And on my prayer sheet, and you can start praying for this too, is for God to bring you like-minded people that are your soul sisters. If you start praying for soulful connections, God, bring me soulful sisters into my life. You watch things transform you watch things start to really blow up because you will have the deepest connections and the deepest friendships that you've ever needed. They will show up, find a church in your area. If the church you go to pray about it, if you feel like I need to go somewhere else, they're not, it's not challenging. You're not, you're not getting the connections. Um, just know that there is no perfect church. No, even my church. I love my church. We have lots of flaws. We are growing right now. We are in a growing stage and it is stressful, especially building a ministry in the middle of it. There is no church that is perfect. There is no pastor that is perfect. There is no perfect ministry. So don't get so focused on this needs to be perfect in the church, in the church. No, you're looking for your people in the church and you need to get connected, hang out with them, get plugged in with them because you need to be safe. Instead of running by yourself and you're like, "Oh, oh my gosh, I'm under attack. The devil's trying to get me. You're also hiding from the shepherd because you don't want to be found. you're you have no protection when you're alone, so you're not sleeping good because while you're sleeping, you have to be on guard. You have no one to guide you, no one to nourish you and to feed you, which is what the shepherd does for the flock. so you're you have no guidance, you have no idea where to go, no idea what food to eat. You know, one of the shepherds, They do too, is they look for poisonous plants and they steer the sheep away from anything that could harm them. You don't know what plants are poison and what plants aren't. Here you are like, oh, this is good. This is a good friendship. Boom, it's poisonous. You didn't even know, toxic. And there's nobody to help you when you're struggling, you're sick or you're giving birth, which is what happens with sheep. So the shepherd is there to help them when they're sick, when they're injured, when they have disease, they're caring for them. They're helping them. They're bringing them back to help. When they're giving birth, they're helping them give birth. And I don't mean just in a natural sense, like you're going to have all these women around you as you're pushing a baby out. I mean, like you're giving birth to a new plan. You're bringing new life into the world. Maybe it's your own life where you're like, this is this is a new me. This is a new plan. You have someone there to help you to nurture that. You have to get off your island. You have to get off the side of the hill by yourself and you have to get plugged into this church. So these five things, I am going to write them down and I'm going to put them as a resource when you click the link in my bio on Instagram. And it is going to be the emergency plan. When you are in a bad spot, stop, drop, and roll. This is what you're going to do. Stop, drop, and pray. This is how you roll through it. These are the five steps that you need to be taking Do not think of anything else that is not on this list. Do not take your fear, your fears, your anxieties, your thoughts captive. Don't let them run away from you. I will not let you be pulled into the flames. And I am going into the flames and I am pulling you out if you have been pulled in. If you feel like you are in the grip of Satan and you cannot get out, And you are in such a bad place. I don't care if I have never talked to you before in my life. I want you to send me a message on Instagram. And I want you to say 911. And I am going to respond to you. And I'm going to help you. And I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to get you out of his shackles. Because I know that you were created for something more. And my goal in life, my purpose, and my passion is to awaken that in you, get you out of Satan's shackles and into your calling. And I will not let him take anyone else. I am, I am done with it. It's not happening. He's not taking me, he's not taking my family, and he's not taking any of you. It's not gonna happen anymore. You are called to do something massive and great. You, you have the gifts, you have the talents but something's holding you back and it could be the devil. It could be an emotion. You're not going to be held back anymore. So I hope this is encouraging to you and maybe you need to re-listen to it. Send this to someone that you know that is struggling right now and needs this 911 plan. I'm going to get this plan out by the end of the week so that I can be in there. And I'm probably going to include some, some videos in there too. <clears throat> um, short videos that you can watch with, some of my top podcast episodes that you need to listen to over the next like seven days to really deliver yourself from this so thank you for being here thank you for being on live you guys love you so much thanks for listening to the recording for everyone who's listened and i hope you have a blessed day thanks bye thank you for listening and spending your morning with me i pray that god blesses your day and that he helps you to see the calling that is on your life lord help us to be obedient to what you've called us to do help us to walk in our day side by side with you and link with your power instead of trying to do it on our own we know we cannot do this on our own although we try please continue to help us and continue to lead us and guide us we love you so much in jesus's holy name amen have a blessed day thanks for being here